0: Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, we're continuing our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Of course, Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews. We've come to a special section. Matthew 24 and 25 is dealing with end times. If you remember, Jesus, as they were leaving, he and the disciples were leaving the city, they said something about the temple, and Jesus said it will be completely destroyed. It really shocked them. They went to the... Mount of Olives which overlooks the city and they're sitting on the Mount of Olives and four of the disciples come to Jesus and basically say, what are you talking about? What what will be the signs of your coming? When will this be, that destruction happen? What will be the end of the age? And so, because they, they understood that Jesus was coming as the king. They thought it was right then. They just didn't understand how all this fit together. So what Jesus does in response to the question, he teaches what we call the tribulation. Because the time period he's talking about when they say the end of the age, we're talking about the Jewish age. If you remember God, when the book of Daniel we saw that God gave the Jewish people 490 years from a certain point in time, and up to the time of Jesus Christ, they had used up 483 years. So just for you to understand that the Jewish age was coming to an end, or they thought it was, they didn't know that there would be the, the church age, which is in now. So this when they say, what will be the end of your age, Jesus is going to talk about this, and this seven-year time period is what's taking place before he returns. It will be the end of the age. And so as we look this morning, Jesus, went, we're going to see why Jesus comes to the earth to reign as the king and sets up the kingdom. So there's the end time stuff, and there's, it's really exciting to study it. A lot of people are interested in it. Uh, the passage, when I read the verses a while ago, some of those verses, uh, you may have heard things like, uh, you know, heaven, uh, this generation will not pass away. Well, what generation? What about two in the field? One will be taken, one will be left. Uh, many people are taught, I think, the wrong thing there, and we'll see it as we go through it as we study this morning. Well, in 1984... Which doesn't seem like very long ago, but it was a long time ago. I got to do one of the great things of my life, and that was to go to the Olympic Games. I got to go to the Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. As you know, I, when I was in college, I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a football coach and a track coach, and I got to do both. And I coached at Mississippi State, and you know, I always thought, man, I'd love to go to the Olympics, and didn't. And then I resigned that I went to seminary, and so I'm in seminary, and my mind says, well, I'll never, I'll never get to go to the Olympics. Well, while I was in seminary in 1984. I I was in a church in Borger, Texas, and one of the men in the church came to me and said, "Uh, Would you want to go to the Olympics? I said, yeah, I'd like to go, because they were in Los Angeles. And I said, I would love to go. And so he took me to the Olympics. It was one of the greatest times of my life. And we got to see everything. Of course, I love the track and field. That was my favorite thing. And when you're in the stadium, and it's in the Coliseum in Los Angeles, and there's just 100,000 people there, and track events are going on. And then all of a sudden, while you're watching everything, suddenly you have this loud, I mean really loud trumpet sound. It is so loud, it stops everything. In fact, every event stops Everything going on on the track and field stops, and everybody looks down to the end. And down at the end, they're blowing this big trumpet, and the people who are getting uh, medals are going up to the to the stand. And so this loud trumpet blows, and everybody watches. Well, this morning, as we see Jesus coming. A second time as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to set up the kingdom, there's going to be a loud trumpet blow. In fact, it says here, it says, and he shall send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together the people. And so, we're going to see that this morning as we go through this. This morning's passage gives us basically Jesus Christ gives us the details concerning his second coming to the earth. And we've got to understand there's two comings to the earth, and we've been talking about all these things. And so, remember that Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives. Four of his disciples have come up to him privately, basically, and they want to ask these questions. And see, he said, the temple's going to be destroyed. And in their minds, they go, how, how can the temple be destroyed? I mean, the temple is the temple, and that's where we worship. And Jesus is the king, and he's the Messiah, and he's going to be there, and he's probably, he's probably going to rule from the temple. And and so they just didn't understand that. And so they've come to him, and they asked two big questions. They said, when will this be? When will be the destruction of the temple? And what are the signs of your coming. And when they said the signs, they're talking about the signs of the end of the age. In fact, they actually said signs of your coming and the end of the age. So, so let me remind you. Uh, about the the two comings of Jesus Christ and what they're talking about. There is the first coming of Jesus Christ where he came to the earth. This is the cross. And he died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. He offered himself as the king. Nation of Israel as a whole rejected him. He died and rose again and sent back into heaven. That's the first coming to the earth. The second coming to the earth is, is the one where he comes. This is what he's talking about in our passage. He comes to the earth as the king of kings, the lord of lords. He judges and sets up a kingdom and rules for a thousand years. So that's the first coming to die, the second coming to reign. And so when we think about it, the two comings of Christ to the earth, the first one, he was born, he died and rose again, offered himself as king, paid for our sins. The second time He comes, He comes to rule and reign as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, we know there is another coming of Jesus Christ. It's coming in the clouds. It's called the rapture. It's not to the earth, and I want you to remember that. That's us. Here we are. We're in the church. age. Jesus came The first time, died and rose again. It's going to come the second time to the earth as the King. But in between, He's going to come in the clouds. We call it the rapture, which means a snatching away. And all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you've trusted in Jesus, you have eternal life, you're part of the church, the body of Christ. Christ one of these days, and it could be any second, there's no signs to be done. In fact, when people talk about signs, they're actually talking about the signs from Matthew 24 and 25, which is the signs of his second coming, which takes place during this tribulation. So the rapture could happen at any second, and Jesus Christ would come get us, and we're gone. And so the end of the age is this age right here, not the church age. In fact, when they're talking to Jesus, the church has not even begun yet. They're not even thinking about the church. In fact, the only mentions of the church so far is way back earlier when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. That's the only time he's ever talked about the church. And so the church happens after Jesus dies and rises again and will be taken out. Then there'll be the seven-year tribulation and then Jesus comes. Now we have been seeing over this time, we've been seeing that seven-year tribulation where Jesus taught about it. In fact. Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus is teaching regarding the second coming and not the rapture. So I just want you to make sure you understand how that fits together. Now, we talked about the rapture, and the rapture, uh, excuse me, we talked about the uh, the tribulation. The tribulation is seven years long and it's divided into two parts. The first three and a half years, there's wars, it starts off in peace, then there's wars, and in the middle of that That first three and a half, basically at the three and a half year mark, there's a thing called the abomination desolation where the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple and claims to be God. That begins the second half of the tribulation, which is the second three and a half years. The believers are to flee for their lives, especially the Jewish people. They're to flee to a place called Petra, Selah in the Bible, in Isaiah 16. They're to flee for their lives. All believers are free for their lives. That's when the Antichrist says you've got to take the mark of the beast. And so the tribulation is divided into two parts. Here's the chart we looked at. The beginning of the seven-year time period, there's a covenant made with the nation of Israel, a peace pact. And for the first three and a half years, there's there's some bad things that happen, but not bad, bad, bad. And then right in the middle, the Antichrist puts his idol up at the temple, claims to be God. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, you're going to be killed and they're running for their lives. And so that last three and a half years is is a horrible, horrible time. Well, where we're going to start this morning is at the very end of the tribulation. You notice Matthew 24, 29, and 30. After the tribulation, Jesus Christ is coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so what we're looking at this morning is this Jesus is dealing with the second coming to rule and to judge. And when he comes, all will see Him. So let me break down the passage for you. We're going to see in verses 29, uh, 31, the return of Christ. It's powerful. Then we're going to see the parable of the fig tree, which is basically saying, when you see these sort of things, get ready. And then he's going to see the coming. His coming will be as in the days of Noah. This may surprise you. Some people have never even thought about this. In fact, the verses we will get toward the very end. Some people take those out of context and just quote those two verses without even the context of the passage. So I want to show you how that fits together. So as we start, Jesus has been teaching about the seven-year tribulation. And as I mentioned a while ago, the peace pack at the beginning, halfway through, the abomination, desolation, Daniel nine twenty seven, Jesus talks about it. And then the last three and a half years, Jesus has now got to right here. He's about to tell what happens at the end of the tribulation, how he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we put it, the return of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 29. It says, but immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now notice he says after the tribulation, this is the very end of the seven year time period the, the, the things have already had, the sun is going to be darkened, the moon's not going to give us light the stars are going to fall and Jesus is actually where he's quoting where he says the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light the stars will fall. He is quoting Isaiah 13, 9 and 10 which is Call the Day of the Lord. He's also quoting Joel 2, 30 through 32 which is the Day of the Lord. Now, let me remind you of something. The Day of the Lord is not a particular day. The Day of the Lord is a time period. It begins with the rapture, goes through the tribulation, and even on through the kingdom. And so this is called the Day of the Lord when Jesus Christ is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's coming to the earth, and it's a very powerful thing. Now, you could say, well, he's coming, right? And, and, and you'll see in verse 30 where it says, and you'll see the sign of the Son of Man and all this. Well, where is he coming? Well, Zechariah 14 tells us where he's coming. Look at this. The Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights on the battle. In that day, his feet will stand On the Mount of Olives. He's coming from heaven, and he's coming to the Mount of Olives. It goes on to say, which is the front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in the middle from the east to the west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north, the other half will move toward the south. Listen, Jesus Christ is going to come out of heaven, riding a white horse, we're going to see it, and he's going to go to the Mount of Olives. And when he touches the Mount of Olives, which is right across from the city of Jerusalem, it's going to split in two. And you might understand that in Acts chapter 1, this is where Jesus left from. If you remember, when Jesus got with his men, they went to the Mount of Olives, and then he told them goodbye, basically, and he left the earth and ascended right into heaven. And they were all watching him go. And an angel appeared and said, what are you doing looking up there? Go back to Jerusalem and do what he told you to do. And then the angel says, for he will come back here just as he left. And so Jesus is coming back to the Mount of Olives. And when he comes back to the Mount of Olives, he's coming. And when he returns, it'll be a time of judgment and a time of the gathering together. So notice, look at verse 30. Verse 29 again says that the sun will be changed, the moon will be changed, all of these things will happen. And then verse 30 says, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And when all the tribes of the earth, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and glory. And so he says, when he comes, the sign of the Son of Man will appear. Now, let me raise several questions. Number one, what is the sign? Number two, he's called the Son of Man. why Why the Son of Man? What does it mean the tribes of the earth will mourn? What does it mean that he's coming in the clouds? Well, the sign... You remember, if, if you remember when we looked at what, Jesus, what they asked Jesus, they said, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus says, you will see the sign of the Son of Man appear in the sky. Guess what? He didn't tell us what the sign is. He didn't tell us. And some people say, well, it'll be like a cross as as he comes, as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, here he comes and it'll be like a a, a cross. Some people say that. Nobody knows. Some people say it'll be a cloud of glory. In the Old Testament, there was a thing called the Shekinah glory. It was the presence of God. If you remember when the the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night that was called the Shekinah glory. Many people believe that when Jesus comes the second time as the king of kings, he'll come in that big cloud because it does mention clouds and so some people think the sign of the son of man will be the shekinah glory the big cloud notice what else it says though he calls him the son of man and he's coming with power in daniel chapter 7 verse 13 look what it says the son of man the cloud of glory i kept looking this is daniel he was looking in night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven and one like a son of man was coming there he is And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. He's coming in the clouds, the cloud of glory. When Jesus was arrested, he was stood before the religious leaders. And they said, are you the Son of God? And he said, yes, I am. And then he told them this. Jesus said to him, to the high priest, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. That's his second coming. That's him coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you notice in this passage that it says that the tribes, this is verse 30, the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see him coming. You know why? Why? Because they crucified him, because they've rejected him. When it says the tribes of all the earth will mourn, we're talking about the ones who have rejected him. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, over him, so it is to be, amen. That is going to happen. Jesus Christ is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming out of the heavens. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming to the Mount of Olives. He's coming in the clouds and everyone will see him. Now, let me just show you something. In the rapture, see, some people get it mixed up and they think, well, is this the same as the rapture? No, in the rapture, we're gonna be gone in the twinkle of an eye, nobody will see us. It'll be gone just like that. Nobody will see Jesus. We'll just all be gone. In the second coming, every person alive On the earth, we'll see him. He's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want you to see it. Hold your place in Matthew 24. And I want you to turn almost all the way to the back of the Bible to Revelation chapter 19. We looked at these verses last week. I want you to see it. Revelation 19. I want you to see Jesus coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want you to see what it looks like. And this is in uh, Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. Look at Revelation 19. Look at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, this is John. He is seeing this. And behold, a white horse. And who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness, he judges and wages war. When Jesus comes as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he's coming on a white horse. He's coming to judge the world, by the way. I want you to understand this. He's coming to judge the world. The world right now, there's the Antich When he's coming, there's the Antichrist. There are people who've taken the mark of the beast. There are people who rejected Jesus Christ. They are trying to kill anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, and they have surrounded the city Jerusalem. And Jesus is coming back to stand on the Mount of Olives to Judge the world. That's what he's going to do. Look what it says. And he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. That's crowns. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Notice verse 13. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Wow. And then look at the next verse. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, White and clean, we're following him on white horses. Do you know who that is? That's us. That's us. That's all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ the Savior, the Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. That's us. We're with him. As he comes out of heaven, we're coming too. And look what we're riding. What are we riding? Our, when the armies are in heaven clothed. We're following on white horses. We're coming on white horses. So even if you're not a good rider, you're going to be good then. You're going to be okay. And listen, he's going ahead of you. We're not doing the fighting. Just remember this. We're coming back. And I want you to notice what you're wearing. It says you're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. When you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you find out that that white linen is the righteous acts of the believers, that your good works and which you're going to be rewarded for, that's what you're wearing. It's powerful. Look what it says. Verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp Sword, So that with it he may strike down the nations. That means he's going to speak and he's going to judge. He will rule with a rod of iron. That's Psalm 2. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. This is God's wrath poured out on unbelievers. And on his robe. Look at this verse. I love this verse. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of of Lords, That's Jesus coming. You can turn back to Matthew 24. He's coming. And if you notice, verse, uh, verse 30 says, He will come with power and great glory. The Greek word for power there is dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. He's coming with great glory. Power and glory, because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The first time he came, he came as a baby. The second time, he comes as a king. The first time he came, a few people saw him. Second time he comes, the entire world will see him. The first time he came, he offered himself to the nation of Israel. They rejected him. Second time he comes, the nation will receive him. He is indeed is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at his Look at his character. Think about it. His love. He desires the best for us. Sometimes things come in our life, and we go, "I don't, I don't get it." And we say, "He loves us. He desires the best for us. In His wisdom, He knows what is best for us. In His power, He can do what is best." for us. We can trust him. Look at verse 31. Look what happens when he comes. And he will send forth his angel with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Remember when he comes, he made light flashing from the east to the west. That's what he's going to do. He's coming in great power and there's going to be a trumpet blow. And it says the angels will gather, there's a trumpet coming to gather the elect. Now this is called a shafar and that's what, uh, it's a ram's horn and this is what they would do, they Nation of Israel, they had the big horn, and they would blow it and they'd blow it to go to war. they would blow it to uh, uh, there would be a person blow it to start of, when they opened the temple during the morning they'd blow it to close it at night they'd blow it several times to call for a meeting and here is an angel blowing a great trumpet to gather together the people. Notice what it says. He'll send forth the angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect. The elect, of course, is the nation of Israel, but it's going to be also other people who trust Christ during the tribulation. One thing I want to make sure you understand is during the tribulation, a lot of people are going to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. In fact, many, many of the Jewish people will believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior, and as a whole, the nation of Israel will believe in Him. In His first coming, as a whole, the nation of Israel rejected Him. When He comes the second time, as a whole, the nation of Israel will believe in him. Now think about the trumpet. Have you thought about this? That when Christ comes to get us for the church, there's going to be a trumpet. When Christ comes to reign as the king, there'll be a trumpet. You remember in Ephesians, it says uh, in Philippi, uh, 1 Thessalonians, it talks about with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, the trumpet of the God and the dead, and Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with them. That's the church. There'll be a trumpet sound for us to go. But then there'll be a trumpet sound when he comes back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to read something to you. Just listen to this. You don't have to turn there. This is Revelation chapter 20, and I'll put the verses right there. He will rule for a thousand years. Listen to this. I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received a mark on their forehead or their hand. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he sets up a kingdom and he rules for a thousand years. I want to remind you, that's the second coming right there. This is the thousand-year millennial reign in which he rules as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. By the way, Revelation chapter 20, in six verses, he says seven times that he will reign for a thousand years. Now, there are people who don't take the Bible literally, and, and when they don't take the Bible literally, they don't believe there's a rapture, they don't believe there's a tribulation, they don't believe there's an Antichrist, they don't believe there's a second coming, they don't believe there's a kingdom. We take the Bible historically, literally, and grammatically, and that means we do believe there's a rapture and a tribulation and a second coming and a kingdom and an eternal state and all the things that the Bible says because we look at the Bible as the perfect, inerrant Word of God. And so we believe it. And so that's what's going to happen. And he's going to rule and reign in righteousness and justice. Now, Jesus wants them to be ready. And he's not, and remember, this is not, he's telling the disciples this, but this is written for the generation of people who will be going through the tribulation. And so he's telling them, know the signs. Look what he says in verse 32. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you'll know the summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he's near, he's right at the door. He's saying, know the signs. He said, just as you can tell it's near summer by the fig tree, you can tell that the Lord will return by these signs. People will come up to you today and they'll say, oh... There's earthquakes all over the earth. That means Jesus is going to come get us any second. There are no signs for the rapture. could happen at any second. All the signs we've been looking at, the wars, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes, the great destruction, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, all of those things, those are all signs of the second coming. Jesus will come. And so he says, when you see this, just like when you look at the fig tree and you say, hmm, summer's near because look at the leaves, you can say, Jesus is coming back. Look at the things that are happening. And then notice the next verse. He says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. This generation, what generation? It's not the generation that he's talking to. It's not the disciples. They, They died. Jesus didn't come back. He's talking about the generation that's alive during the tribulation time period. The generation that sees these signs, they will be the one that will be there for the coming of Jesus Christ. He says, this generation will not pass away till all these things take place. It's the tribulation generation. They're going to be the ones to see all of these signs. Look what Jesus says. Heaven and earth will pass away. but My words will not pass away. In other words, what he says is always true. It never changes. When he says that we'll be taken out, there'll be a tribulation, an abomination, desolation, and then he's going to return and there'll be a kingdom and a new heaven and earth. Everything that Jesus has ever said, everything that the Bible has ever said is going to be fulfilled, perfect, and true. Heaven and earth may pass away, but not the word of God. So, look at this next one. It says, but of that day and hour. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the sun but the Father alone. Now, he's saying nobody knows. And even Jesus is saying, in my humanity part, because he's saying, you know, if the Father makes the decision on when he comes back. Now, if you could say, well, I thought it was supposed to be seven years. It is. But what day exactly in the seven years? And when will he come? What will it be? Will it be in the morning? Will it be in the evening? When will it be? Nobody knows. And so he says, the angels don't know. The son of man doesn't know. He's saying that in his humanity, now in his deity knows everything, but in his humanity he's saying, I don't know. The father is going to be the one who makes the decision. So no one knows. No one knows the day or the time, any of those things. It's going to be really amazing. Now from there, he, he's going to teach something. And... Uh, He's going to talk about the days of Noah. Now, this may surprise you because verses 40 and 41 are usually taken out of context and taught wrongly. So I want to show you the flow of the passage. We know that we've been talking about what? The tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, this coming will be as in the days of Noah. Look at verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. What happened during the days of Noah? Well, think of two things, two big things. First of all, they missed the warning. Noah built the ark. It took 120 years to build it. For 120 years, he was called a preacher of righteousness, and he taught people that a judgment was coming, and they rejected him. In the same way, people are going to be saying, the Messiah is coming back, and they're going to reject. The second thing is, at the time of Noah, look at this the unbelievers were taken, they were killed, and believers were left. They were left on the earth. I want you to think about it. Unbelievers were the ones taken in death. They died in the flood and the believers were left to populate the earth. So you understand that. The unbelievers were the ones taken and the believers were ones that were left. Look at verse 38. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, the flood is the Greek word cataclysma. We get of cataclysm, cataclysmic things. That's the Greek word, which means the word for flood. And so it says, notice that the unbelievers were taken and the believers were left. Notice, in those days before the flood, they were, this is the same as in the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away, the unbelievers away. So will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. I want you to see this. In the coming of Jesus Christ, unbelievers will be taken and believers will be left to go into the kingdom. Now, watch. There'll be two men in the field, one will be taken. That's the unbeliever. He's going to die. One will be left, that's the believer, to go in the kingdom. Look what it says. There'll be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. I bet most of you were taught that this was the rapture. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. The one who is taken is the unbeliever. The one who is left is the Believer, Look at there, two women, one will be taken. That's the unbeliever. Because at the time of Noah, the unbelievers were taken and they were di- they died in the flood. And the believers, Noah and his family, were left to go into, to start a new world. Well, when Jesus Christ comes, the unbelievers will be taken. They'll be put to death. He's going to, the sword's going to come out of his mouth. He's going to kill them. And the believers will be left to go into the kingdom. Now, by the way, I just wanted you to show you, this, this is what the ladies used when they were grinding at the mill, that's what they would do. They would take their grain and they would grind that. So I want you to understand that in the second coming, as Jesus comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, unbelievers are taken, killed. Believers are left to go into the kingdom. In the rapture, it's just the opposite. In the rapture, the believers are taken off the earth and the unbelievers are left to go into the kingdom. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. The believer in the rapture, the believers taken off the earth, unbeliever left. And so you see the difference. In the rapture, believers are taken. In the second coming, unbelievers are taken. And just like in the days of Noah. So just go back and where it says, just as it was in the days of Noah, unbelievers were taken, they were put to death, believers were left to go to start the new world. In the second coming of Jesus Christ, the unbeliever will be taken off the earth and the believers will be left to go into the kingdom. Very powerful truths. So when you see those verses, please don't think that's the rapture. That's not the rapture. Notice how he ends it. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know, which day the Lord is coming. Nobody knows the time. And so the people living in the tribulation time period, they will not know when Jesus Christ comes. They will not know. Even if they study the Bible and say, well, it's got to be seven years, they don't know when in that seven years or at the very end of the seven years, when will he come? So what have we seen? We've seen Jesus is teaching about the end times. He's teaching about the tribulation time period. And he's teaching about his coming. And he's going to come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to come out of heaven. There's going to be a big trumpet sound. Angels are going to come. They're going to gather the believers together. And, and he says, just like you could look at a fig tree until it's almost summer, when you see the signs of what he's been teaching them, you can tell he's about to come. The generation that sees these signs will see Jesus come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it'll be just like at the time of Noah. In Noah, the unbelievers were killed, and the believers were, uh, the unbelievers were taken, and the believers were left. In the second coming, the unbelievers will be taken, and the believers will be left. So let me give you some applications. First, let's realize that one day, Jesus Christ will come and reign in power and in glory. And that's what we call the second coming. Now, just think about this. This is where we are. Okay, Jesus already came the first time and he died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, sent him back into heaven, seat at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Any second he could come in the clouds and the church would be taken out. Then it would be followed by this tribulation. But what this passage is dealing with is the second coming of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. One of these days he's going to come and set up a kingdom on this earth. So first thing, let's make sure we'll be in the kingdom. And I know most everybody in this room. And so I, I know most of you, but far as I know that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. When you trust in him, you're part of the kingdom. you enter the kingdom of God the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as savior. So when we say he's coming one day to rule as the king, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as savior, you will be with him in the kingdom so that's really an exciting thing and you know we always said things like oh i hope i go to heaven when i die but in reality throughout the bible it's they've always looked forward to the kingdom When Jesus Christ rules on this earth as the greater son of David, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I hope and pray if there's anybody watching through Facebook, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, right now you can understand that he died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. And he offers to you a gift. The gift is eternal life. It is not by your works or goodness. It is faith alone in Christ who gives you Eternal life, and you can trust Him right the second. The second thing for us is let's let's give glory to God now. You know, let let's seek to to bring glory to Him because He indeed is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when He comes, He's going to, uh, you know, rule this world as the King. And, and one of the things we're going to do is we want to rule with Him in the kingdom. Now we're going to be in the kingdom, but whether we'll rule with Him is a different matter. And so, if you serve Him now, you'll get to be in the kingdom, ruling with him. Now, if you don't serve him now, you'll be in the kingdom, but you won't rule with him. So we want to give glory to him now. We want our lives to count for him now. So when we stand before him, what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. The second thing is just remember, and this is sort of a sad thing. Let us understand there will be judgment and separation at Christ's return. There will be. The unbelievers unbelievers will be taken in death. That's why it says there'll be two in the field. One will be taken. The one taken is the unbeliever. because He's going to be put to death and the believers will be left and they will be gathered to go into the thousand year reign with Christ into the kingdom. So just remember that's going to happen. And Jesus Christ judges the world at his second coming. The first time he came, he came to die on the cross to pay for sin. The second time he comes, he comes to reign and to judge